We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to this Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. If you'd like to get more involved in the conversation, check out our Facebook group at Social Capital Network, a community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. Social Capital Podcast is sponsored by Keystone Click, a strategic digital marketing agency hosting bi-weekly educational webinars. You can check out more at keystoneclick.com forward slash webinars. If you haven't connected with me on LinkedIn, highly recommend it. Just look for Lori J. Hybe and you'll see lots of awesome content as well as all of our uh, po- uh, social media and um, social capital posts. Today's guest is Matan Govish. Matan is the founder of FitHit, an Inc. 5000 fastest growing company in the U.S. As a former special ops Krav Maga warfare officer. After training thousands of special ops, pro athletes, world champs, and regular folks, Matan recognized that empowerment through training is key to success, not just in violent situations, but in general. FitHit helps people tap into their potential, develop a healthy lifestyle, increase mental fortitude, and learn how to handle themselves. Matan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lori. Happy to be here. I am excited for you to be here as well, because I'm sure you've got some amazing stuff to share with our listeners today. Sure. All uh, right. So let's just dive right in here. So we all know that physical training and nutrition are good for you, but what would you say to entrepreneurs who simply can't find the time to invest in their own well-being? Uh, that's a that's a great question. See, a lot of our uh, a lot of my students uh, are entrepreneurs and uh, and high-level managers, creators, right? People that rely on their creativity to succeed. So we we actually have a little <laughs> a little in-house joke that we that we say and it's called more abs more money mm-hmm. and <laughs> we're basically connecting your personal well-being and fitness level to your levels of income and how much money you make now most people can't see the direct line between the two but i can tell you that there have been several researchers uh, on the subject that have looked at over 1500 ceos and what they found was over time right over a long period of time and what they found was that ceos that take the time to train, hold themselves up to higher standards when it comes to their nutrition level and their well-being overall, tend to have more successful companies, better returns to their investments. They were just making more money. And the reason is, it's not that hard to figure out why, right? It's because really, how you do anything is how you do everything. So when you start putting your own well-being as not as important as something else, right? You put it like uh, second, third, or fourth, or fifth, and some entrepreneurs, it's all the way down the list, right? Their own well-being. What they do is they don't actually show up in their business as the best version of themselves. Now, if you're an entrepreneur, your capacity to create is what's going to make or break you, right? Like that is, that is the thing. How much drive? How much, how much can you push? Do you think that you'll be able to do more when, you're, uh, when your physique is optimal, when your health is on point? When you, when you have energy that lasts through the entire day and you're not bugged down by 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. and you're out of energy, when you just bounce out of bed right in the morning, right? Because your body can carry you like that. 
and you don't spend the first 30, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour, just, you know, we call it morning scrolling, right? Like that, that first hour of the day, in case you don't have to be there, just like lying in bed and doing that because you don't have the energy to get up. So what we tell entrepreneurs is, is that if they're not putting their own uh, physical well-being first, their business is taking the hit, not just their own physique. And we've, uh, uh, and I've done it on myself and it's really fun. I've done it on myself and I recommend to a lot of entrepreneurs to do it. Like once you get into the process of actually uh, taking care of your body and being aware of what your fat percentage is and so on, I've actually mapped out my fat percentage, put it in a graph over time because I keep track of it and my bank account. And what I've noticed is, is that the two move kind of like in the same pattern. Hmm. When I'm in my fittest, my company does really well. And if I uh, let go, I can see the changes in the company also. And it's just because how I show up in the end of the day, right? Sure. So if I can show up for myself, that's, that's great. Um, that means that I can also show up for my, for my business, for my employees. But if I don't even show up for myself, are you really giving the people who depend on you, your team, your staff, the best version of you? Or just like a round down, tired, lack of energy version of you? So it's worth it. It's worth doing it. It's worth putting yourself first, financially speaking. Oh, I, I've never looked at that correlation, but I can 100% believe it. Yeah. It, it, that's, there's, yeah, putting yourself first. It took me a long time to figure that out. And I'm still kind of figuring that out as, as an entrepreneur, but um, definitely taking the time to be physically active, I think is so important and mentally. Yeah. Physically yeah. and mentally. And I can tell you, most entrepreneurs would, would, you know, they give me the same song and dance, right? Like, like I don't have the time. Mm -hmm. And then you look at, like, you know, the entrepreneurs that have made, like, a huge impact on the world. You know, all the CEOs of this, all, this, all the social networks, right? So the CEO of Facebook, Twitter, and so on. They all have a training regimen. You know, Richard Branson has a training regimen. Uh, you know, CEO of Twitter has a seven-minute training regimen he does every day no matter where he is in the world if he doesn't have time for the full hour which he normally does like every single one of them committed themselves to training um, and they all point to it in different uh, articles and different interviews that were done with them over the years that that is like like their secret weapon you know that's the one thing that they don't that they would never give up so if these guys can handle it all of us can handle it right it's Absolutely. just a matter of making the time. It's not finding the time, you know, because you can't find the time. Everybody's busy. Well, you, you make room for the things you want to do is what it comes down to. Yeah, but work for the things that like, you need to do. Mm -hmm. So at some point, you have to look at uh, your own well-being as a need and not something that would be nice to have, which I think where most entrepreneurs are, right? Like, hey, it'd be nice to have, you know, it'd be nice to lose 10 pounds or 20 pounds but they don't see the, uh, the, the immediate need for that. Sure. And I urge them to just switch it. You need to lose that if you want to be successful in everywhere else in your life. Absolutely. So COVID really shook things up a little bit, especially, I mean, I, I can attest to this hundred percent, you know, that the term COVID-19 pounds being thrown around. Yeah. Um, what can entrepreneurs do to beat the stress eating and some of these other bad habits that we've all picked up over the last year? This is, this is a great question. Now, I can tell you that one of the reasons that so many have gained weight during COVID 
And I'm looking at entrepreneurs specifically, uh, just because, like I said, so many of our, of our, uh, of our community are um, in business, is that we are, we are a breed that is driven by, uh, by control, right? Like we, we have our own business because for better or worse, we like to control the outcome of, uh, of, of things. And some are more successful than others, but even when you talk to people that are not that successful in business and they're business owners, they'll tell you, I'd rather be here than like, like get a job, right? Like, they, like the ability to control their successes, and even if they fail, is something that keeps them uh, uh, motivated, keeps them going, and they're very much connected to it. And then COVID happened. And what happened when COVID happened? We lost a significant amount of control of what we can do in our lives, mm-hmm. right? So in the first few months of COVID with lockdowns and all this other stuff, you, if you were any type of retail business or this, you couldn't operate at all the way that you used to, unless your business was already kind of like fully online for most business, most businesses in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, lost control of how they can operate their business. We lost control of who we can meet. We lost control of where we can go. We lost control of how late we can stay at night, whether I can get food from this place or that place. Like, you know, we lost control of how many toilet papers I can buy at any given time. Like the <laughs> lo- when, right? Like that, there, was, there was a massive loss of control. And what happens to people when they lose control, right? What happens to, to anybody that loses control? There are direct emotions that go right with it. You know, anger and sadness, fear, they're all a direct result of loss of control. So what we've seen, uh, because we interview everybody that trains with us and we we had like a few thousands of those already, is what we notice is that when people lost control of, 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 of some things, it made it easy for them to just give up control on everything else, even on things that they, they could be under their control, right? So even though you have full control of your nutrition because you lost control over everything else, it feels comfortable to just flush down the drain uh, your, your habits. And then you talk to people and it's very interesting. You ask them, did you see any, anybody in your, in your immediate area like spiraling out of control during COVID? And the stories are, are insane. Right, like people have kind of just lost it, mm-hmm. and it's and it and it is this this idea that um, that I'm not in control. When people are in control, those emotions are like a roller coaster. Now, for entrepreneurs, you know, if you are sad and afraid, anxious and angry, that doesn't work for you as a bit. That doesn't work for the business. Mm-hmm. All right, you have to mitigate those emotions if you're going to show up for uh, for the business. So, what I recommend to uh, to entrepreneurs that are finding themselves in this emotional roller coaster that 2020 has brought in, and we're kind of like on the other, starting to get on the other side of it now. But it's a good lesson to have anytime there is a lack of control, which is to become very aggressive with taking control where you can. And my best advice is there's actually four aspects that every entrepreneur must take control of all the time, not just during COVID, but literally at all times. Mm-hmm. The first one is nutrition, right? What you put in your body has a huge effect on how you feel. And if you're not feeling at your best, you're not going to show up as your best. You're not going to have the best ideas. You're not going to have the best execution. You're not going to have the energy. So where most people basically turn to junk food and fast food, 
alcohol, not to mention like drugs and stuff like that during COVID because they lost some control. So they decided to give up all control. We recommended our community. We didn't recommend, we shoved it down their throat. Uh, we're getting even, we're going hard, more hardcore on clean nutrition during this time because we're not going to find the comfort in bad food because that just leads to a whole other can of worms with your body and your mind and emotional, right? Like emotional eating has its own, its own issues that comes with that. So the first thing is you want to control is your nutrition. The second thing you want to control is of course your fitness level. Now gyms got closed down. So what, right? Well, if the gym is closed, I can't do anything. No, there's a lot that you can do. You can train at home. You can train outside. You can be active. There's a million things that you can do, but you have to first admit to yourself that you need to take control over your physical fitness. And when you do that, you're already starting making movement in the right direction. And then the third thing is that this is an opportunity for you to gain control of your knowledge base. So I mean, you can spend the time just aimlessly scrolling and getting angry at everything that's happening in this country, or you can start seeking out advantages, right? Seek out the knowledge that would make you better at what you are, that will inspire you, that will, will, will move you forward. Um, and then the fourth element is I always recommend people to also take control of, of hobbies, of things that are not directly related to their business and just grow in, in, other, in other directions. So when you force yourself to take control of the things that you can, you are no longer a victim to those horrible emotions that, that come with the initial loss of control, right? Because you continue having control uh, on the things that you can so your nutrition can be up to par. You don't have to go to junk food and alcohol. You don't have to sit on your sofa all day, even in lockdown, right? That you don't have to be immobile just because the gym shut down. There's options, take control over that. You don't have to be a mindless zombie, even though all your friends may be mindless zombies right now and people around you are mindless zombies right now, right? Like you don't have to accept um, that your only way out of this rut is government assistance. Right? If you take this time to get better, create better offerings, become more professional, find a new market, find a new niche, right? like you have the time to do that. Like you, so, so, so you control where you take the time. So we tell people just, just con- make, the, make the decisions to, to, to regain control where you can. And, uh, and the whole experience of loss of control becomes way easier. I love it. I think the four things to take control over are so important. And I'm just looking at myself going, oh yeah, I definitely need to step up in this area and this area. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, 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 I'm trying to think of what's the right word. Just the, control is the word that I think there's, is the most important part here. And you're right. We lost control. And so we, we gave up control. It's a really interesting observation that you you took from yeah. this um last year and well, let me tell you something Lori. i heard people in june and july of last year saying man i can't wait for 2020 to end fuck 2020 sorry i'm sorry if i'm cursing a little bit right but that was like mm-hmm. the thing right people were writing off the entire year i thought they were insane yep why would you go out and and write off a year i wouldn't write off a minute right like what's the most expensive thing in the world to me it's time right totally. no refunds no you know, no chargebacks though. Like you can't, every second that's gone is gone. Every week that's gone is gone. Every hour, every minute. How can, like people were out there 
writing off the entire year. And, uh, and, you know, and we built a community that we wouldn't let people do that because every second of everything that's happening in your life is under your control. It's one of the things that we, uh, we, we push, we promote, we repeat over and over again. Uh, we want people to develop an extremely strong, it's called internal locus of control, mm-hmm. uh, which is a psychological term for basically a lens through which you see the world where you believe that everything that is happening to you in one way or another is a direct result of your own actions and thoughts. Sure. And not, you know, external stuff. Luck and the Mercury is not in retrograde this month. The <laughs> moon and the government and this guy and this president or that. Like every time you look outside for the reasons why you're not successful, you're going to have a really hard time reining it in and be successful. So when we aggressively tell people, you know, you have to look inside. Um, and develop a strong locus of control. Even if you don't start with it, the beauty of it is that it's not genetic locus of control. It is a, it is a mindset that you can adopt and start, and start behaving in a certain way. Some people it's more natural than others, but everybody can move the needle towards the internal side. So your, your training is, I'm going to say this wrong, Krav Maga. Is that the right way to say that? Krav Maga, yeah. Krav Maga, okay, I did say it right. Which is... Um, aggressive military self-defense system and most of your students are women yeah. so how did you take this kind of aggressive manly um a- approach and make it something that is um accessible to to women as an alternative to um you know the, the yoga classes the peloton bikes and, and whatnot oh, that's, a, that's a great question that was um you know that was the challenge when i set out to create fit it um, you know, because I come from the military world, and when I started training, uh, my clients were, for the most part, within that world: police officers, security companies, uh, special ops, you know, government agencies. Like that was the, those were the clients. Um, but when I was uh, uh, in New York, even within the very first year, we were in New York, and I started getting, I started getting more familiar with with violence against women and how prevalent it is in the United States, it was much worse than I, than I thought it would be, right? Like one in six women is gonna get sexually assaulted in her lifetime. That's like one roll of the dice. And you start talking to women and everybody either has been assaulted or knows somebody that has been assaulted. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, I have all this knowledge and I have this, uh, I have this skill set that is completely transferable, right? The beauty of Krav Maga is that you don't have to be the strongest person to be able to do it. You know, they're teaching it to basically kids straight out of high school in the military because that's how Israel is, right? So how do you turn this 18, 19 year old kid to be very efficient with his striking? You have to get, you have to give him a system that is not reliant on size or strength. So if you give uh, women a system to defend themselves, it's not relying on size and strength. You're actually giving them a power that they can then use to not be a part of that horrible statistic that they just keep uh, they just kept creeping up. So for me to be able to create an environment to attract these women, I couldn't just come out and say, hey ladies, I'm about to teach you the most aggressive self-defense system in the world. It's only being taught at special ops and law enforcement these days. So let's go. Because most women right off the bat are not attracted to that concept. 
and I know it because that's how I started, <laughs> you know, like, so that, that was my, that was my first go at it. And I've created a great school for Krav Maga, but women were only maybe 15% or 20%. And from day one, I wanted to attract women, but I just didn't know what was the right messaging, what was the right way to, uh, to put it all together. Uh, but, I, but I knew which problem I wanted to solve in the world. Uh, and it was the problem of, of victimization, uh, especially, for, especially for women, because there was nothing like that. So most women, even though the solutions are out there, you know, take martial arts classes, get a weapon, like most women just don't do that, right? Like that's, the, the, that's just the reality. So I had to bend the, the reality in order to make it happen. And the way that I did that is that I didn't come out with, so we created a new product. We got a new company, basically, a whole new thing called FitHit. And FitHit isn't a martial arts studio. FitHit is an upscale fitness experience that has nutrition built in, community, mental fortitude. It is one of the most beautiful spaces that you would ever go into in, in New York City right now. Uh, just like visually uh, gorgeous, right? And, you know, we put the music and lights and we built a whole fashion line to go along with it. And we put females in the, for, in the forefront of it, right? So the women that are, uh, that are teaching the classes, they're all these badass women and they're all so beautiful and feminine at the same time, but they're also very strong and very, uh, very accomplished and very powerful. Very, they have conviction in what they do. And when we put all of that together, on the way, you're going to learn also Krav Maga, right? So we took the idea of Krav Maga and like, and it was like at the bottom, it's like the little gift at the bottom of the, of the cereal, right? Like we didn't lead with that. We led with, you need to lose 25 pounds. Let me show you how. Mm-hmm. And that has, that became the draw for the female population. And the beauty of it is that it didn't take long. It is it's instantaneous for women to fall in love with this type of training. See, the problem was, it's not that this training is not for women. It's just that women has been falsely convinced over the years that they're not supposed to be a fighter mm-hmm. and they're not supposed to be aggressive and they're not supposed to say no and they're not supposed to hit back and they're supposed to be a good girl. So, <laughs> it, and you know how long it takes us to like break all of that? One hour. Really? Like, okay. Literally an hour. All it takes is we bring that woman in and we talk about weight loss and we talk about this, talk about that. It's like, all right, let me, I'll give that a shot. And then she goes into class. And what we did is we created these human like punching bags. So instead of hitting other people, they're hitting a thing that looks like a person. And within like 10 seconds of her, you know, kicking the groin of that thing and punching the face of that thing. And she feels that she has this actually impact behind her punches and she moves. She's like, holy shit, like, this is it. Like, like I was born for this. <laughs> and she's right, because fighting is in our DNA. Fighting is not a male or female thing. It's literally in everybody's DNA. It's part of our survival mechanism. But because we don't need to survive that much these days, it just stays dormant. Sure. So, so all we did is we gave it a, a, a more attractive offer. And then, and then when we exposed women to what we knew that they would, in their core being, would be attracted to, because we all are, we, we all are. We all have a, an aggressive side, no matter how quiet it is, no matter how silent it is, no matter how many years other people have tried to squash it, it's there. And we put you in a room and we say, hey, look, it's super cool to like connect with that for, for an hour. So just connect with that. 
and the and the results are are instantaneous. I mean, we probably have the highest retention rate of any gym in the country. I'll put my gym in retention against any gym in the country. Um, because once they once they try it, like they don't want to go sit on a bicycle to to nowhere, right? <laughs> like, you can spend an hour sitting on a bike that goes nowhere. And by the end of that hour, you didn't even learn how to ride a bicycle. <laughs> you have these zero skills. <laughs> right? It's a fair argument for sure. It is. Right? You spend $4,000 to sit on a chair. And then <laughs> all you learned is how to like sit better. And then there is a number that shows you how many calories you're burning. But what if I matched you that calories? What if you even burn more calories? But you also learn some new skills. Your body moves in a, in a different way. And when you leave the class, that information stays with you. Right? You leave the class, you go out into the New York City street and some douchebag looks at you weird, you're no longer paralyzed, which was the case for most women before they started this training, right? This paralysis of fear when somebody looks at you in a certain way or follows you or they don't even have to touch you and the fear and paralysis already creeps in. So, so, that's, uh, so that was the challenge, right? With FitHit, like I knew that I was going into a market that is that wouldn't be as, as natural as if I was coming up with a new lingerie line, right? <laughs> Women. <laughs> um, but I am 100% and still today, I was back then and I'm still today, that women need it more. And all you have to do is just make it a little more fun and make it okay for women to just be themselves, not worry about being judged, not worry that it's wrong or this or that. And the... Uh, the skills and the attendance and the growth of our company just, you know, is, speaks for itself. That's awesome. Um, I think we're going to take a quick pause for a message from our sponsor here. Social Capital is sponsored by Bamboo Reach. Bamboo Reach, a division of Keystone Click, offers fresh, cost-effective websites and marketing services for the solopreneur and micro-business owner so they can confidently promote their business online. As a small business owner, you have a lot of expertise to offer your ideal customer. Let Bamboo Reach take the stress out of your website development and marketing messaging so that you can grow and focus on what you do well. Visit BambooReach.com to learn more. Matan, it sounds like you've got an amazing organization in New York, and I know you've actually gone way beyond the, the walls of New York with the last um, year, but let's, let's talk about that relationship and growing and networking. And um, can you share with our listeners, one of your favorite networking ex- uh, stories that you've had? Uh, sure. You know, this was, this was a long time ago when, when I was, uh, I was very, I didn't have a location yet. I was, I was just uh, like a hired gun. Like they would just hire me to train for certain things. And uh and I wanted to open up a, a facility. So I was looking for, I didn't have any money. I didn't have anything, right? I was looking for investors, partners, anything that can give me a leg up. And, uh, <laughs> and this is funny because I was talking to somebody who is a poker player. And she, she just mentioned, she's like, hey, I know you're looking for investors. There is, uh, there's this illegal poker game that's going to happen tonight at some like random location in New York City. There's a, a lot of money on that table, right? A lot of like really wealthy people sit around that table. It's very private, but I'll give you a name. And if you can make it in, 
then, you know, maybe you'll do your charm over there and maybe you'll get yourself. Uh, and there's one person that you should look for. And she gave me the name of that person. She gave me his first and last name. She's like, that's your guy. You get him on your side and he will fund you. So I was like, okay, great. And I was supposed to be the girlfriend at the time. And I was like, hey, listen, dear, we are going to an illegal poker. I've never played poker in my life. I don't know how to play. We are just going to be uh, social and nice and see what's what. And we get to this building and there's a, uh, <laughs> there's like this, guard is security guard that's standing out there and he's like yeah can i help you and i was like oh i'm here for the game he's like what's your name and i'm giving him my name he's like well you're not on the list i was like but i know and i gave him that one guy's name so they let me in and we go in there and there's like this social gathering which was very small and everybody's sitting around the poker table and we are just sitting at like a sofa i'm young i'm maybe like 22, 23 at the time. And I don't, I don't know where I am. I don't know who that person is that I'm looking for. I don't know any of that. But I figured by being there, I'll be able to see what's uh, what's going on. So I'm for like 30 minutes, I'm just sitting there and I'm not even talking to anybody. And then at some point, this guy raises his head and he's like, "Hey, you Matan?" I was like, "Yeah." Oh yeah, this this woman told me that you're gonna be here. And he was like, oh, yo, guys, this is Matan. He's like the baddest Krav Maga fighter ever in the tough. So if anybody wants to train with like a super commando guy, that's your guy. And I was like, oh, okay, great, man. I thought you and I will be able to talk later on. He's like, no, no, I don't have any time for that. But uh, hey, man, thanks for coming. But then there was another guy at that table. And he was like, oh, you teach Krav Maga? And I was like, yeah. Hey, what's your card? Give me your card. I, uh, I'm doing this charity event. If you want to donate a couple of classes, that might open you up. And that little social gathering and social conversation, that guy uh, didn't just put me in, the, in this huge charity event that gave me like huge exposure and huge uh, opportunity to, to go over it. He became my client. And then later on, he also became my first investor. So just taking advantage of the fact that I could get into a room with a bunch of people, be able to get the conversation, even though the original guy that I came there for didn't even want to have a conversation with me just being exposed to uh, other people that could make a difference in your life. Uh, it, um, yeah, got me my first, uh, my first investor. And yeah. from there, it was pretty easy to, to open up my first location. That, that's fantastic. I love that you, you just kind of went for it in an environment that you were obviously not comfortable <laughs> or, or yeah. had much experience in. Um, but, yeah. And I can tell you another thing. It was sure. kind of like it's kind of a, it's like a it's like a sad happy like ending to that. While I'm there waiting, I'm seeing some of these guys and they're 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 calling the amounts of money that they're putting and it's like it's a lot of money, right? Like <laughs> way more money than I've ever seen. So I know that if I can just get anybody to like pay attention to me and maybe keep in touch with me, that that's going to be a positive thing. But my girlfriend, she was tired. And she wanted to leave and go home before I had a chance to meet anybody. And she just kept nudging me. Look, I don't feel good. I just want to leave. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. So in one night, I managed to uh, uh, close the deal, uh, get a new client, get a new investor, and lose the girlfriend. So <laughs> there is always <laughs> sacrifices that need to be made. <laughs> It's not always not always perfect, apparently. <laughs> That's right, right. So, so I understand that there's a cost to anything, um, and if you if you know what you want in life, then you also need to be comfortable with letting go of the people that aren't uh, aren't serving you and aren't 
Sure. Yeah, that's that's solid. Um, yeah. Let's talk about reflection a little bit. If you could go back to your 20 year old self, what would you tell yourself to do more of less of or differently with regards to your professional career? I would say um, if I could go back to my 20s, I would work way harder on getting access to mentors and getting mentorship from people who have walked the walk, built companies, scaled, and know what there is. And the interesting thing is, is that um, super successful entrepreneurs are more likely to take on a younger uh, a younger person to mentor than an older person to mentor, mm-hmm. right? Because there's a certain sense of pride when you take somebody who doesn't know much and you start like giving them like these tools and then they go out and they, they go kick ass. Like now, now I'm doing mentoring so I can, I, I feel it myself, right? And I'm, and I'm always thinking, you know, I started looking for mentorship way later in life, right? I was in my mid thirties and I ended up paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to get mentorship and it always paid back in dividends. You know, paying for mentorship is great. But when you were super young, a lot of times you have access that you don't even know that you have just because, you know, you're young and you're hungry and you're ambitious and you don't have all the answers and nobody expects you to have all the answers. So uh, I would say if anybody is that like super early age, but you have that hunger, you have that fire, work on, uh, on connecting with mentors. And these are, you know, people that have done way more than you. And you never know when you're going to run into them. So you have to make yourself available to run into these people, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I got weird poker game and i went to another <laughs> another thing and i met some guy who invited me to a charity event and in that charity event i was sitting in the same table with some of the like most powerful ceos of investment banking in in new york i mean there were mm-hmm. billions and billions of dollars sitting at the table that i was in but i was too stupid to recognize it then yeah, like man. i didn't even understand how valuable not just talking to them and shooting the shit with them for a whole night and laughing and drinking and having a good time, but then just leave and never contact them, never even make an attempt to, 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 uh, to connect and to, uh, to nurture that. Um, so I would tell myself, and I'll tell anybody, you know, that may be in, my, in, my, in my, the position that I was, is you want to recognize success when you see it early, get close to it because uh, it gives you shortcuts. Yeah. And it can save you years of trial and error, not to mention money. Oh, I am on board with that 100%. If, if I could go back, the mentorship would probably be one of the top things that I would, um, that I would be going for as well. Because uh, <laughs> I'm the type of person that likes to make all the mistakes and learn, them, <laughs> learn the lessons the hard way, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I've changed that. Um, yeah. over, over it's the, happy that you recognize that, right, Laurie? Oh, yeah. At least you, you know that about yourself, so you know that you can you can work on that. There's so uh-huh. many people that are in denial about like the need to make mistakes. I'm not saying that mistakes don't have their 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 place. Mistakes are are good. You can learn from them. Totally. But what if you didn't have to? Like, you know, what if there is a what if there's a road, and there is people that have gotten that have already like walked it. Like mm-hmm. they know where the monsters are. They know where the hidden doors are. They know where the obstacles are. They know everything. Wouldn't you want to have that knowledge before just going on that road? I would. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So Matan, we've all heard of the six degrees of separation. Who would be the one person that you'd love to connect with? And do you think you can do it within the sixth degree? Um, well, you know, 
do I think I can do it within six degrees? I think it's been like mathematically proven that you can get to anybody within six degrees. Right? <laughs> so, so I'm going to start with probably. Um, but I would say a person that I've been completely fascinated with over the past uh, probably five years is, is Elon Musk. Um, because he just doesn't, he doesn't build businesses. He creates industries. Right? He creates things that it's not just ideas. And, you know, most people would be lucky to be very successful in just one aspect and one type of business. But he seems to innovate uh, in, in completely different industries, you know, from, from cars to rockets to online payments, plus the other stuff that we probably don't even know about. Um, and you know what, and I heard him say something, and I, and I think as an entrepreneur, like you need, you need to hear it. <laughs> there's, there's two things that he said that really stuck with me and I'm happy that he said it because it makes a lot of, uh, a lot of the emotions that you may feel as an entrepreneur during hard times, that's really kind of uh, find their place. <laughs> Once he said, being an entrepreneur is like chewing glass and staring into the abyss. <laughs> <laughs> so you gotta be prepared for long periods of difficulty. <laughs> and uh, before you make it on the other side. And then the second thing that he said, he was in reply, somebody asked him, hey, what can you tell young entrepreneurs that needs to be motivated? He said, if you need somebody to motivate you, you should probably don't want to be an entrepreneur. You know, so I just thought that those two, two ideas, right? That you have to find the motivation from within all the time. Sure. As an entrepreneur, there's not going to be anybody there that's going to push you to be the best that you can be in your business, unless you hire them to do it. Right? People hire us to be that voice in their head. Uh, but, our, uh, but our voice will always tell them to look deeper right? Don't just mm -hmm. listen to us, but listen to, to that part of you who wants to push forward. So I would say, you know, without a doubt, if I had stronger social skills and networking skills than I do, I would push hard to get, uh, to get on the circle with Elon Musk. Do you know where you'd start? I'm sorry? Do you know where you'd start that journey? Uh, oof. Um, it's a good one. You know, I don't because I didn't put a lot of thought into it, but I can <laughs> tell you I've, I've gone through extreme length to make connections that I felt were, were going to be good for me. You know, like I've trained a guy that I didn't know much about him when I went to train him. And then when I walked into the building and I did a little research and I spoke with him for like the one hour that I trained him, I understood that... Um, you know, I could probably learn a lot from this guy and, and I want him in my circle. He was, he was running a company that, an investment company of a few, a few billion dollars. And, uh, and I, <laughs> so he trains me for an hour and then he just mentions that he's, he's going to take his private jet out to like Texas to do something. And he's going to talk to me when he comes back about continuing. Uh, but what I did is I actually, I showed up at the airport where his private plane was parked <laughs> and told him that I'm coming with him to Texas because oh, wow. <laughs> we need to talk about continuation of training. I don't want him to give up on himself and eat that crappy food when he's over there. So he was like, well, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I took a ride on a private jet to Texas. Nice. Wow. <laughs> True. And 
you know, he was there for a couple of days. I managed to train him once in the very, very expensive hotel that he was staying in. I was staying in some shitty Motel 6, right? In the area where I could afford it for 30 bucks a night. Uh, but what I got from that is a client um, that was like a, b- a very good client. He became a good, a good friend. And he just, uh, you know, when you, when you get close to people like that, you start understanding what's possible, mm-hmm. right? Like with hard work and determination, people that have self-made themselves to that level. Uh, and I was always just like attracted to that. So, so nothing would stop me from getting that guy right? Multi-billion dollar person after an hour that I've met him. So I don't know exactly how I'm going to get to Elon Musk, but if it's going to be a goal of mine, I'm like hundred percent certain we're going to be. All right. Well, you need to report back when we're you, going to do something you, together. It's just happens. not, yeah, but it's just going to be like very important. It's not that important. Back then, like those type of connections, like they were super important. Now it's a little less, um, but yeah, I'll report back if I ever take a, a ride on the rocket, right? With Elon to Mars. Love it. Love it. <laughs> you're right. Um, so, Matan, if anyone is interested in getting in contact with you, what is the best way that they can reach you? Uh, I'm on Instagram at Matan's Method. Um, so that's that's one cool way to uh, to get to it. Also, uh, I don't know if I will uh, send a link your way. Would that be available for anybody? Absolutely. We'll include any links or, or you know, social or contact details in the show notes for sure. All right. Terrific. Yeah. I mean, my company is pd.com, but I actually just recently created a, uh, a really in-depth uh, webinar that goes into the keys of body transformation, both the mental and the physical one. Um, so I'd like to give all of your uh, audience just a, a pass at it. You know, they can, they can go, they can listen, they can learn more, and I can send you that link. And then through that, if they have more information, they could uh, click the thing later on and get and get directly to me. Love it. I think that's great. Um, we'll definitely include all that information in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Matan. Thank you, Laurie. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. A huge thank you to Matan for taking the time to connect with us. Like I said, if you want to connect further, check out our Facebook group. All right, that's it for today. We will see you next week. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.